I'd like to be under the sea in an octopus's garden in the shade. He'd let us in, knows where we've been, in an octopus's garden in the shade. That song was inspired by my special guest who's coming on today. Two days ago, I had no idea what that song was or who sang it, but my special guest is always educating me. He's fun, he's funny, he's very smart, and is a little bit arty. I hope you enjoy this episode with Mr. Edward Waring. This is not just another fitness podcast. Why? I touch on subjects that not only have I experienced, but most likely you or a person you know has probably experienced it as well. I created the Me Movement on the mic to provide you with relatable content and information on areas of movement, mindset and health. I'm on a mission to help you filter through life, to help you break free of the fitness stereotypes and embrace you while still enjoying a gelato or two. So join me, Sally, and let's get this episode started. Hello, Mr. Edward Waring. I always like freak out when I um, say your surname because I've got my thick accent. So did I say it right? Well, it's not that hard. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I always think I'm going to fudge Wearing. It. How hard is it? What are, what are you is wearing? That, oh, did I do it right? Yeah, wearing. Yeah, what are you wearing? Exactly. How, how, how are you doing today? Look, I'm fine today. Yeah. Today's not the best day, but, you know, it's... Not as bad as yesterday and hopefully not as good as tomorrow. Now, every episode I've done recently for the last four weeks, I've said we're currently in a lockdown, so I feel like I'm on repeat. Yeah. Well, it's like Groundhog Day. I think we're all feeling a bit like on repeat because it does, you know, it's going on and on and on. Yes. So tell me a little bit about you. Just a little bit. What do you do? Um, Tell our listeners. Because this is the first time you've jumped on. I breathe to stay alive. I eat. Um, uh, Buddy, I don't know. What do I do? Um, Who are you? um, I have no idea. (laughs) Where are you from? I grew up in, um, in New Zealand. I grew up in a little harbour town called Littleton, which was when I was a kid, it was a fully working seaport. Which was a real buzz because the you know they'd load up all the boats and send things off to England and all around the world, and it was <clears throat> it was a really really good place until you were about twelve because there was lots to do and then it got pretty boring. Um, so I um, and then I went to school in Christchurch and that was torture, and then I left Christchurch and went to Wellington, which saved my life. Because I went, to, I, I went to study fashion design, and um, I just, I, I was kind of, I always felt like I was a bit of an alien in Christchurch. And when I got to Wellington and met a whole bunch of kids that were sort of similar interests, I, I suddenly felt very normal, and it was deeply reassuring. Uh, you, you wanted to study fashion. That's amazing. Well, look, it was it was an accident. <laughs> what do you mean it was an accident? Well, um, I was sort of when I was like sort of thirteen or fourteen. It was you know patch jeans and daisy flowers on everything, and and 
groovy shirts that you'd see, you know, your pop star heroes wearing. And you couldn't, I couldn't, you couldn't buy them in in the South Island of New Zealand. So um, I found a, there was a sewing machine in, in, in the front room at our house. And so I sort of taught myself to, to use the sewing machine. And I used to sew patches on my jeans and, and I'd sew, make army shirts out of old shirts that I'd steal out of my father's wardrobe or, or you know, from the op shop or something. So I was sewing and I was kind of interested in it. And I had no idea. I'd, I'd completely failed high school. Um, I was just absolutely and utterly, um, I was a bit bereft. I didn't really, I, I, didn't get on very well at the school, and um, I had a um, an amazing, extraordinary ability to make some of the teachers dislike me intensely. So I was always in trouble. I was never I was never nasty. I don't think um, I was always stupid, and I I just I I had um, an absolute inability to filter. So. I would think of something that was really funny related, what I thought was really funny relating to what the teacher said, and it would be out of my mouth and into the room before I could engage my, probably not a good idea to say that, they won't find it funny. So I was always getting whacked with the cane for for being a a motor mouth. And so um, I had a friend who was a few years, about four years older than me, that we used to work, we used to pick up casual work on the dry docks in, in the harbour town. And he and I were, got on very well. And he came back from, he'd just finished it at the fashion school. And um, we went on a road trip to um, stay with some his sister and some friends who had a commune up on Waiheke Island. So we trotted up, hitchhiked up there. And he just said, why don't you, why don't you apply for fashion school? And I'd never considered, I had no idea what I was going to do. And so I applied, and this was in January when I got back from this road trip. And um, I think they were just short of boys. They had some places. It's not like it is now. You know, you could literally just turn up and go, can I have a place? And they go, yeah, sure, all right. And we even got money, you know, because it was that sort of um, um, post-Whitlam that had rolled over into New Zealand and they, they actually gave kids money to go and study. And... It was, you know, I mean, it, it truly saved my life because if I'd been stuck in Christchurch, I, I have no idea what I um, I would have got up to, but it probably wouldn't have been very productive because I, I just really felt I didn't fit in. So, thank God for fashion design. Uh, so thank God for fashion design. Uh, did all of that. And then how did you get to Australia? What are you doing uh, On here? a plane. Um, oh, not on a boat. No, no I worked. In, no? I mean, I, I did, didn't, I actually dropped out of fashion because I knew I was technically proficient, but I didn't really, I didn't have anything to design for. I, I wasn't, I wasn't ever going to be a fashion designer. I would have been a reasonably technically skilled um, maker, but I just, and also I kind of, I didn't fancy spending the rest of my life, you know, at a sewing machine. So, I went off and, and I did a whole lot of things. I worked in um, a lot of jobs and then was working in the theatre. I worked for the ballet company and the New Zealand Ballet and the New Zealand Opera. Then I got a job working in television and then the idea was that we'd come to Australia for six months to save some money and go to the UK. 
and I just I arrived in Sydney and just went. People live here. That you actually, this is unbelievable. I, what year was that? Uh, Nineteen seventy nine, <laughs> and I just fell in love with it. You know, like you you Morton Bay fig trees and and in you know coming from Wellington where you know you got probably ten beautiful days a year. Um, the the weather it was just like. I can't believe this. I, I don't, you know, it, it is too amazing, this place. So here I am, 40, 43 years later. Here you are. So I'm hearing a lot of creativity from when you were young and then even with the um, theatre, lots of creativity. So how did exercise fit into all of this? Um, actually, it's really funny because... I was, uh, as a kid, um, you know, I just, you just rode your bike everywhere. So I was really fit. And then through high school, probably never a great runner, you know, like I, and it, it, it actually, I always, I sort of always thought I was really kind of unfit or unco or whatever, but it wasn't until I, um, I realized that I'm really slow to start. I, I'm, but I have incredible stamina. So um, I think when I was, oh, what was it? I started going to the gym in about 1982, 83. I'd go down to City Gym and just, you know, do a workout and then walk. Remember gyms, actually? Hold on. Remember the gym? What is that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that thing. Yeah. You know, when you used to go and and it would smell weird and there'd be lots of... (laughs) Something like that. Big, scary guys grunting over over heavy weights. Um, yeah, so I just, um, I think, and then I've had, you know, I've had great look, periods where I haven't done much exercise, but I've always walked and I've always been kind of, you know, working with my hands and, and you know, as they're not very bright but can lift heavy things. So, you know, um, I think I really started again in... Um, about 1992, 93, and then um, went off and on. I had, um, had a trainer for a while and then that really didn't work and then I didn't do anything for a very long time. Um, so it's really only been in the last sort of five or six years that I've been serious about um, like working with a trainer. Mm-hmm. And I find that really good because uh, – I don't really have the head to remember to do things um, the same way all the time. And I think if I didn't have a trainer, I would hurt myself um, or someone else. So how and why did you start exercising recently in the last six years? So you had a big break. You did it before. You had a big break. Um, You said you're slow to start, but you are relatively like kind of fit during – you know, school, very active with your, you know, your movement. I know Edward, he's great in the garden. He makes things. He's really into it. Um, so, yeah. Well, I was, okay, so I, in on the subject of the garden, I started mm-hmm. noticing that I would do my sort of this, the amount of work I would always do, but I would break something or I would hurt something and then I'd have to, um I'd have to go and spend money on physio or buddy osteo or whatever. And I um, I did a groin strain, which was really frustrating. And 
I realised that my core strength was slowly dissipating because, you know, like you, you've got to keep it up. And I'm, uh, you know, as at then I was getting to an age and you think, well, I really need to, um, you, if, if you look at people that don't have a good twilight, you know, like as they get over 70, they start getting less and less mobile and their world closes in on them. So I just sort of thought I should really get, um, you know, build up my my core and I suppose everything that I do now is in terms of keeping at the training is to make sure that I have a really good, you know, hopefully another 20 years. So it sounds like exercise is a daily practice now in your yeah, life. Definitely. Um, yeah, definitely. If I don't, I, I do three days a week usually with trainer and then on the other days it's either a walk or a bike ride. And Amazing. Um, and I sort of try and do things like if, if I'm driving, if I go somewhere, um, I mean, I, I'm quite happy to leave the car 500 metres away from where I want to go although I do tend to usually get parks right out the front because I get rock star parking. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, and I, if there's stairs or a lift, I'll try the stairs rather than the lift. If, I, if it's not, you know, 20 floors, you don't want to cough up a kidney when you get to the top. So it sounds like there's little actions that you're doing day to day and you're being aware of it. Do you think that's helped? Oh, look, I, I'm, I feel really fit, you know, like I would, um, we went for a walk, um, on Friday and we went to Cooper Park and we were walking up these quite steep stairs and there was a lot of them. Um, and I just walked all the way up and when I got to the top, it was like, oh, I said to Susan, isn't it great that we're both able to, you know, have go at those stairs and walk up without I mean you sort of slightly puff when you get to the top but I think you know for uh, 10 years ago I would have had to have stopped twice to get my breath back um, how does that make you feel um, like how did you feel when you were up there oh it just feels good you know you just go yeah that's cool I'm it, it doesn't it's not going to kill me I'm not going to have to go home and have a sleep or or I'm not sweating and I don't think I'm, you know, I don't feel like I'm having a heart attack or anything. I just feel like that was a pretty normal thing to do. It's no, And, in fact, it, it, it sort of becomes no big deal. You know, you just go, oh, that's good, yeah. Oh, by the way, oh, that's right, yeah. I used to not be able to do that and now I it, can. It sounds like there's a little remembering back yeah. you remember. Oh, and like, also oh, I, I remember what I do remember when I couldn't do it is the the embarrassment or the, you know, the the sense of like, Oh, geez, I'm unfit. I really, I need to do something about this, or, or this is not a great spot to be in. Mm. And since I've been training, and since I've been, I've you know worked on my core and all of that, I don't go to the chiropractor, the physio. No, how would they used to go? I used to go to the osteopath. I don't go to the osteopath anymore. Um, I used to spend hundreds of dollars, and I haven't been to an osteopath for three years. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, I'm, I don't know what he's doing for new golf clubs now. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Look, we love osteos. We love all the allied health. Um, but, you know, Edward's definitely empowered himself. Well, that's it, what it sounds it's like. It's just the things, that, the things that I was 
getting treated for were things that were related to straining and not having, a, you know, an, a lack of core strength. And also, um, you know, sometimes because I get occasionally, I think I get mild sciatica, but in I with the trainer, do we know who the trainer is? Is that like a secret or anything? Well, I don't think it's a secret. Everyone should be know, should know by now. When, when, a client of mine, when, he's a okay, trainer, so he's when, my client. When I have yes. a bit of a sciatica issue, Sally gives me stretches to do which relieve it. And, again, like five years ago when I had, if I had that, I would have had to have gone to the, to the osteopath five or six times mm-hmm. to, to get it massaged out and, and, you know, stretched and everything, whereas now um, I can... Um, I'm able to do it in a training session and I just I don't have the problems anymore. So it's a much nicer way to be. Yay, I love that, empowering you to be able to just do things on a daily basis. That is what you do. Yay. Um, Look, we are currently in a lockdown. I mentioned that before. Has that affected your day-to-day and how are you feeling about that? Um, Look, I'm, first of all, I we are having a very easy lockdown. We've got a spacious house. We both have art studios. So in in terms of that, it is not nearly as difficult as a lot of people. I mean, I watch the guy across the road and his wife and they're working from home and they have two children. I go up the street and I notice that he's sitting in his car making phone calls and working. And I think... Jeez, I'm really lucky. But having said that, I am truly finding it difficult because you walk down the street and you look at the restaurant owners standing in the doors of their cafes and um, and you just know how hard it is for them and how hard it is for a lot of people. And, you know, our daughter is turning 25 in lockdown. You know, she'll be, yep. well, she won't be having dinner on her own because we'll, we'll be breaking the rules. But um, it's really, really hard for these people. So it's some days I feel I have to be careful not to get too depressed about it because I'm really fortunate, we're really fortunate, but I just really feel for people that are doing it hard and it's, it's a really, yeah. and it's unnecessary. I mean, we've been, it, it should never have been allowed to break out through that airport transfer, should have been managed. Anyway. Yeah. Sounds like there's a lot of gratitude in your life just from what you're telling me from when you tell me day to day. How do you get out of that, you know, headspace when things become a little bit too much, especially now? What do you do? Well, well for me, um, I it's it's a bit about you just it's difficult you know, I don't want to seem shallow because I know people are really, really struggling. Um, but, you know, like we, we, because we don't have our business anymore, we're, we just, we're both practising artists. We're not beholden to anybody. We don't, have, we don't have staff that we're responsible for. So it's not hard. So when I start feeling depressed about it or feeling really flat, I just try and count my blessings. Um, and try not to become too depressed because then I get grumpy and 
and then you know like you get depressed and it becomes a vicious as you know like a cycle or you, you you sort of come on a treadmill so i'm working out how to manage my own head health without being shallow and without being glib but also being very very grateful for what we've got mm-hmm that's that's amazing. I love that, and it's important because, like this morning, I was like, "Wow, this coffee is great!" Yeah, and I got excited about my coffee. Yeah, <laughs> I've got a puppy. Layla looks at me because she's uh, losing the plot again. No, no, they look the, the puppies. Puppies just happy you feed it every day. You know, like <laughs> you come through the door and they go, "Oh, great, you've come home." You know, like I mean, yeah, they, they, yeah. everything is everything is good for a dog. You mm. know, like that's except when it's not. That's it. You talked about creativity earlier. You talked about um, art. What is your art and what do you consider good art? Is there good art? Yeah. I mean, there's. What do you, what's your art? Tell me about your artworks. You mean what I make? Or what do you make? I am. Um, I got to use the lingo. Uh, what you well, make. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm sort of what, I mean, I'm, I suppose if, I'm going to claim anything. I'm a multidisciplinary, multidisciplinary artist. I don't know. I work in a, you know, I, I do things, different things. So I put, I find old crystal, vintage crystal and cut glass and press glass, and I make them into sculptures. So I do one set of, one series is what I call champagne tables, which are like little, um, drink tables that sit by your chair and you put a glass on them. So, And I make them out of old granny's punch bowl and platters and things, um, and I call them champagne tables. And then the other thing I do is I've, I find interesting shapes of glassware, glasses, bowls, um, you know, cups, all sorts of things, and I stack them up and I paint them in really bright um, colours. And um, I call them memory sticks because they, for me, they are, my mother, like when we were kids, we didn't have a lot of money, but my mother had things that she absolutely treasured. You know, she'd have, she she had things that she would save up for two years and then get them restored. And I can remember when things came home and she would be so excited, you know, and she'd be excited for a week. Oh, they're coming on Monday, they're coming on Monday. And um, she had a, a crystal set on her dressing table. She had a light and she had something that she put cotton buds in or cotton wool balls or whatever. And and she just and she had a few things that she just loved and they were for best. And because they were for best, they never got used. But and then when and I started noticing a lot of these things in junk shops and and so I started repurposing them because what I like to do with things like that is if they have a a resonance for you as a kid or or maybe even a young adult or something where you just go, oh, yeah, that reminds me of my auntie. Um, so I paint them up these really beautiful, bright, crazy colours and I glue them all together and I call it because they're in like totems. They're, they're sort of tall. They're like so high and curvy and things. And I call them memory sticks and I give them names like Ethel and Gladys and <laughs> and old that. granny names And and because my mother had... Um, she had a bunch of women friends who were wonderful. You know, they were really, they were deeply supportive of each other and, geez, they were fun. They, you know, they loved a drink and, you know, they, they smoked and they told raucous jokes and they, they laughed and they, but so, so it's sort of like a tribute to those really lovely women who were friends of my mother's and anybody else's 
auntie or grandmother or, mm. you know, it's like um, it's just an honouring of, of those lovely women who, you know, had probably had quite hard lives. I mean, my mother was um, the matron of a hospital in Christchurch and when she got married she had to quit. She wasn't allowed to mm. work anymore. So you think, imagine imagine that for yourself. You go, that would have been just terrible. So, yeah, so that, I mean, in, and most of the stuff that I do tends to be about reusing things or or about memory. Um, I love that. And, um, yeah. So interesting, so interesting. So I, I'm, I'm pretty fresh when it comes to art. I walk there and I'm like, which one am I supposed to like? Well, is you there know, a set? You're not, you, thing is you're not supposed to like anything. And I, like I had this, I, I knew I kind of a long time ago, well, yeah, quite a few years ago, sort of 15 years, we had some friends that ran a gallery and they used to have an opening night and then they had their, they lived above the gallery and they'd invite people up to um, for supper, you know, like just have a snack and a chat and a glass of wine, and it was really fun. But I used to stay down when everybody else had gone from the gallery. I like had a couple of glasses of wine, so I wasn't intimidated. And I just used to look at the paintings, and I'd look at one and I'd go, "Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, okay, that I can I can see something in there." And and then I'd look at another one. I go, "No, nothing, nothing, nothing at all." And I'd walk around the whole exhibition and just look at them all quietly. But having had, you know, it was really helpful to have had a glass or two of wine because all those little voices that, that say, this is not for me, I don't know what I'm doing, I'm not sure, oh, I shouldn't be here, I was able to just, they, they would all switch off and I could just look at it. And when you, once you see something that you really like, you kind of go, oh, okay. And then the next time you see, you might see another painting that's got, one aspect of that and and it just it's it's like anything it's like exercise if you mm -hmm. exercise you know after a while you get muscle memory and you you know you'll you'll do the same thing looking at art is is very much like exercise it's pretty can be really daunting when you start but after a while you know like you're going to go and and you'll be like no I'm not picking up those they're too heavy I don't like that and then you just go to something else so yeah. it, it unfortunately, I think sometimes people use art as a bit of a club to, you know, knock people over the head with or or make themselves feel better. But it really yeah. is. I mean, I, this is there good and bad art. Well, not necessarily. There's art you like, and there's art you don't. And I mean, if it really intimidates you, it's possibly bad art. But if if you can look at something not be intimidated and just go, oh, okay, I don't, actually those quite nice colours or whatever. Um, I get you, get, you can get the hang of it and then, you know, and you don't have to like, you don't have to like everything. I mean, I, I, I go to the galleries or go to galleries and sometimes I go, oh, God, I can't bear that. That's just awful. But then sometimes, I mean, there's been art, there's been artists that I've just like, oh, my God, how does that person work? How do they have a, you know, please spare me. And then five years later I go, I was completely wrong about them. I really like what they're doing. So, you know, it's sort of like my my appreciation has has changed rather than their work hasn't changed. And then sometimes right. I look at like, and things I used to like I, I'm not so keen on anymore. 
and it sounds like your taste has changed. It's changing. Yeah, it shifts. I mean, you, you get, I think, well, again, um, I mean, I suppose, I can't think of any other decent analogies, but uh, I don't think my tastes change, but you just, you become more open to things. And, and there's occasionally you look at something and you go, oh, I don't understand that at all. I find it, it's completely impenetrable or yeah. it's really, uh, what the hell's going on there? And then, you you know, if you sort of chew it over, I mean, we would have a friend of ours was talking last night about it on a, on a Zoom session and he said, oh, he said, you know, I looked at this piece and, and I just, oh, God, I didn't like it. I just, And he said, but it just stayed with me. I couldn't get it out of my mind. How bizarre. And then so he went and bought it and now he owns oh, it wow. and he loves it, you know. Like, wow. That's amazing how he didn't like it. Then it's something stuck with Yeah, him. he just found it. Well, he um, found it a bit challenging. And then you go, oh, uh, okay. No, but I really like that. Speaking of challenging, what is what is being healthy look like for you? Um, well, I'd, I'd look taller and thinner. Taller. Gotcha. <laughs> no, I mean, I being healthy I... is just eating well, not eating too for much. You. Um, mm-hmm. enjoying yourself, you know, like have a drink but not go crazy. Um, mm-hmm. I think being healthy is is sort of knowing that, you know, you can't do uh, fast food all the time. But when you do have good fast food and enjoy it, you know, being healthy mm. is, um, I, I think, Sometimes it's noticing when you're happy. There's a, um, I think Kurt Vonnegut, who's a writer, he used to say, he, I was listening to an interview with one of his nephews who he was really, they had a lovely relationship. And he said, always notice when you're happy. It's fleeting. Mm. And I think, I think being healthy is just, um, I mean, sometimes I find myself when I'm training and I'm like, oh, your torture, you know, more bloody legs. And then I go, shut up, you dickhead. You can, you're, in, you're doing it. You can, you know, like you're capable. You've, you've improved so much. And so I enjoy it. Um, and I notice that I'm, I'm improving. So uh, I can, I'm happier in, in the process of it. Mm. Yeah. So what would you say to someone who, who um, needs to exercise, but, has never really exercised. What would you say to them? Oh, look, just put yourself. Look, remember when I started? I was like, you know, I was bloody, I was deeply embarrassed. I was often angry because I felt like such a fool. Um, but and I couldn't, you know, I could plank for like, I don't know, like one ten set two seconds. Um, mm-hmm. It's like anything. The first time you do it, you might not be very good, but you know, the second time you're going to be slightly better and then the fourth time and then and then when you've done it a hundred times it's it's second nature and then you can walk up to the top of the hill and get to the top of the hill and look down and go god i'm not sweating i just did that and yeah. then you kind of you think well if i can if i keep this up which i will um i'm not going to be that creaky old guy on it hopefully I'm not going to be that really creaky old guy that can't but he get off the toilet because he's got no core mm. strength. I'm mm. going to be the really annoying old buddy prick that's in the way and all the kids are going, get out of the way, boomer. 
<laughs> I love that. I love it. You mentioned um, eating out, um, but in the world Remember of that? Uber Eats currently, in the world of Uber Eats, do we have time to cook or should we? Uh, look, cooking, cooking is like training. It's kind of like art in a way. It's, but, you know, the first time you try something, you might not do it. But, look, you watch the cooking shows, you know, not, not MasterChef stuff like that. Watch, you know, watch Adam Liao or watch, I mean, I watch The Cook and the Chef, which has been going for about 100 years, and I learn things. Wow, that's so I old. I know, man. but you, they, they're so, so good. good. They're good yeah, teachers. Yeah. And you see them, you know, and he goes, don't do that. Um no, I can I can cook a meal quicker than deciding on what you you're ordering for takeaway and then getting it delivered. And when you get it delivered, it's cold, it's been in the box, it's bounced around. Uh, no, we we had I mean I look if you're going to get takeaway, you go and pick it up because I think Uber Eats takes too much from the restaurants. But no, cooking is oh, cooking's a joy. And you it's again, it's something that you can you can get better at. Mm-hmm. And if you notice, you know, you go, oh, it's a bit salty. I'll change. I won't put so much salt in next time, or or it needs more salt, or whatever. The cooking is yeah, fun. Yeah. God, cooking is life. So this next question is going to get you. It's going to get you. Good-o. All right. If you could consume one thing, and like, it's not going to count to any form of calories. You got to pick one thing. You can consume copious amounts of it. What would it be? Oh, right now. <laughs> I'd kind of, I'd be thinking those little, the, the Atlantic salmon eggs, you know, like the ones that you get with sushi, you know, those little orange pops of oh, yeah, perf- yeah, yeah. perfection. Seriously? Yeah. I mean, I kind of, I, I had a, I, had, I'm, I don't, I like sweet things, but they don't like me. So I, I kind of enjoy eating, but I never feel great afterwards. So. I prefer, you know, like if, if it uh, like a real super luxury thing would be a jar of of those um, salmon roe eggs, the big ones, but you know, not the ones from Tasmania where they're killing the environment down there. The real, you know, the wild caught ones. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you'd have a jar of fish eggs, fish eggs, and spoon them out like a spoonful of time. Them. No, I wouldn't keep eating them because you'd feel sick. But you know, like you walk past the fridge and you go, "Oh, I just need a little smackerel of something," and you. Have a spoonful and they all pop in your mouth. It's got to be good. It's got to be good. Well, I just wanted to say that it has been such a pleasure for you to jump on. Last minute, I messaged Edward. I was like, can you come on my podcast? I've got free time. And he's like, all right. Otherwise, he'd probably be doing more squats the next day. He knows. He knows. You know, I love hearing your um stories and and just the way you've like grown and learned and your progressions in 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 exercise it's just nice it's so nice to to see that and to you know get your get your thank you very much but i mean it's i do have to to say that a lot of the fitness especially the training is it's about the trainer um because I've had trainers in the past and it hasn't, you know, it was torture and I'd leave the gym feeling terrible, which I never do with you. I always leave. We always have fun. We always laugh. 
and it's like you just it, well it i mean apart from the fact that i'm getting fit and keeping fit and 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 it's really good for me it's just like spending 45 minutes with your really funny friend so it's like mm. it's a lot of laughs but I, I know it's really good for me as well so it's very enjoyable so thank you sally oh thank you that's so sweet and the last question what's for dinner well, I'm not sure yet. I was just looking. <laughs> Where's your chef? I was looking through. Well, I mean, there's there's a couple of things. So we've got some sausages, yes. and I was thinking about making some um, cannellini bean, like a cannellini bean sausage sort of stew. But I've also got some tofu with, and I've got a really nice recipe for some Japanese dressing for that. So that is beckoning um, as well. So it could be could yum. go either way. Delicious. Either well, way. I'm gonna let you go and let you go cook. But thank you so much. It's a total pleasure. And we will speak to you probably tomorrow. Thank you, Sally. Thank you for listening to my episode today. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, it will be greatly appreciated if you have a spare 60 seconds to put a review on this podcast. It would mean so much, especially to a small business. Thank you again for taking the time to listen. I'll see you soon. Bye.